99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, where we always bring you the deeper discussion about the issues and people shaping our community and our country. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, here as always with my captivating co-host, Jeff Simmons. Jeff, how's it going? I'm just sitting here drying off because this rain will not stop, and any of our listeners who have pets know what it's like when you try to walk your pets out in that rain. <laughs> not I am, easy. I am one of those <laughs> listeners. Absolutely. I, I, I know how you feel. So hope everybody is staying dry this afternoon. And uh, today we have a really good program for you. We're going to be focusing on something that's been on everybody's mind lately, a growing problem without an easy, clear solution. That is New York's continuing struggle to deal with a major influx of migrants seeking asylum in the city. Now, most of us have been deluged with the images, migrants sleeping on sidewalks, tent cities under construction, and things are not getting better. This week, the city announced plans to open a new shelter for migrants on Randall's Island. The shelter can house up to 2,000 adults, about twice as many as a shelter opened on the island last October and later shut down. The new center is being set up on the island's East River Fields, and not everyone's happy about it. And not everyone's happy with other plans the city is pulling together elsewhere in the five boroughs to deal with this wave of immigrants. And we will get into more detail about that in a moment. But first, the big picture. At a Wednesday news conference with Mayor Eric Adams, Deputy Mayor Ann Williams-Isom of Health and Human Services gave a snapshot of the growing problem. Here's how she sized up the situation and the city's response to date. Um, we have over 57,300 asylum seekers currently in our care. Over 98,500 asylum seekers have come through our intakes since the spring of 2022. We've opened 198 sites, including 13 large-scale humanitarian relief um, centers. And last week, from 7.30 to 8.6, more than 2,900 new asylum seekers entered our care. As the crisis has worsened, Mayor Eric Adams has tried to make one thing clear. New York City is overwhelmed by asylum seekers. He says that if the city does not get the help it needs by mid-2025, the city could be on the hook for, I'm not kidding, $12 billion. That's billion with a B in costs for caring for the migrants. Although the city has an obligation to provide shelter to anyone who requests it, it's clearly becoming harder and harder to do that. There are simply too many people coming in. The mayor once again underscored that message at City Hall this week. Here is a snippet of what he said. We are past our breaking point. New Yorkers' compassion may be limitless, but our resources are not. And our partners at the state and federal levels know this. We continue to face impossible decisions about allocating our resources. And that means a lose-lose for our most vulnerable New Yorkers, as well as those seeking asylum. So what does all this mean for the migrants? And what does it mean for the city, which is facing a bill for literally billions of dollars to assist the newcomers? How does everyone cope? Today, we're going to be asking some hard questions. 
How many more people can the city welcome without a catastrophic decline in either the quality of help and services they receive or without profoundly affecting how well the city serves those who already live here? We'll be having a great guest on very shortly to help us understand how this is all affecting all of us. And a little later, we definitely want to hear from you. But before we dive deeper, a very important reminder, if you care about immigration policy, social justice, and all the things we're going to talk about today, if this is why you listen to WBAI, please take a moment today to support this station. We can't do this without you. The station, this program is in dire need of your financial support. Volunteers like me, Jeff, we're stepping up to keep WBAI an independent voice in the city, but we need everyone to pitch in. Please go to WBAI.org today. Become a BAI buddy in the name of driving forces and give as generously as you can to keep us on the air. And I'm not only a volunteer, I'm also a BAI buddy, as many of our regular listeners know, because this is listener supported, non-commercial, non-corporate WBAI. Big business does not power this station, does not pay our rent, does not tell Celeste and I what to say or how to say it. WBAI is the voice of the real New York, and we will lose that voice if this station does not clear up its financial problems. Time is running out. So if you care about free speech, if you care about real debate, if you care about serious issues that affect us all, please Go to WBAI.org and become a BAI buddy in the name of this show, Driving Forces. Please do it now and thank you in advance for your support. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you to all of our listeners for supporting this station. This is Driving Forces on WBAI New York. And today we're discussing the asylum seeker crisis. As we said earlier in the program, Mayor Adams is warning New Yorkers that so many thousands of immigrants are flooding the city that something has got to give. The Adams administration now projects that if the city doesn't get substantial financial help with this influx, the bill will come out to $12 billion by 2025, and city services will be hurt. Here he is on that from this week's news conference. Dollars. That has to come from somewhere. Every service in this city, when we were at... Uh, $4 billion. I stated that every service in this city will be impacted. So imagine when we have $12 billion. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. Even if we uh, stay at $4 billion. We did uh, how many rounds of PACs? We did three rounds of program to eliminate the gaps. Three. Going to our agencies and saying you have to find efficiencies without cutting services. Uh, three rounds we did that. So if we did three rounds at the one point something billion dollars. Can you imagine what we have to do at $12 billion? So every service in the city is going to be uh, impacted. So to help us get a better understanding of how this is playing out in our neighborhoods, we're joined now by Adam Daly. He is a journalist originally from Dublin who now works as a general assignment reporter for the Brooklyn paper. And he recently wrote about how this crisis is making waves in the borough. Adam Daly, welcome to Driving Forces. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you here. And before we get into more details of your reporting, you had a really interesting story about what's going on in Sunset Park and Greenpoint. Just let people know a little bit more about you and how you came to be working and covering Brooklyn for the Brooklyn paper. 
Yeah, so um, I, the listeners will probably uh, be wanting to adjust their dials, but um, I do have an Irish accent in case uh, there's any confusion there. Um, I was working as a journalist uh, for the last four years for a national outlet um, back in Dublin. It's the journal.ie, and, and during my time there, I did cover a lot of um, migration issues, um, be that in Ireland and also across uh, the continent of Europe. So um, I did find myself uh, coming here and kind of naturally migrating towards these kind of stories. And um, obviously the time is a bit serendipitous for me at the the stage we are now in uh, the migrant crisis now in in New York. So as I said, I'm working as a general assignment reporter, but um, this is kind of at the forefront um, for us now in Brooklyn Papers. So uh, this is where we find ourselves. Well, we want to talk about this piece that you wrote, and and you've written other pieces too, and I'm sure we can talk about those as well. But in this particular case, you wrote a piece pretty recently about what's going on in Sunset Park and in Greenpoint about shelters and uh, that are being created for migrants there and how people locally are responding to this. So just to start off, how many people are we talking about uh, moving into these shelters in each of these two locations and where exactly would those be? Yes, yeah, so in in both cases, uh, the the kind of makeshift shelters are in rec centres, and that's the Greenpoint kind of Williamsburg border. You have McCarran Park rec centre. The right wing of the rec centre has been kind of cornered off for uh, about a hundred migrants, and I'm not too sure whether that's that capacity now. I think the last update we had it was about ninety um, adults were were staying there, and it's pretty much very similar to Sunset Park uh, in the, the namesake, namesake park of the of the neighbourhood um, is a rec centre and likewise there's about uh, 100 adults staying there as well at the moment. Adam, it's great to have you on the show with us today. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm really curious about is what are the concerns you're hearing from, from people uh, in these and other areas like Sunset Park and Greenpoint. I mean, in New York City, often we experience nimbyism whenever there's a proposal to put up at any type of a shelter or some a similar type of facility. Talk a little about the concerns that people have raised about having migrants hosted in their neighborhoods. Yes, well, I think the kind of overarching concern that a lot of people have had um, when it comes to these two uh, shelters at the rec centers is that there was very little uh, notice given to both the public and the elected officials in each case. I think in both cases, elected officials were notified maybe the evening before and then within 24 hours, there was people moving into the migrant shelters. Now, that is obviously a symptom of the situation we're in and that City Hall feels they they need to act fast because I'm sure everybody has seen the images of the, the people that were sleeping rough outside the Roosevelt Hotel in Manhattan. So it's a case that the city... We're being told it's that capacity and that's the images that we're seeing. So I, that's essentially why the um, the administration would maybe move that fast. But in both cases, you have people that are kind of taken aback by the, the, the sudden kind of move in of, of these adult migrants. And there was a protest outside of uh, the Sunset Park Rec Centre um, over the weekend. And some of that was from first generation first-generation immigrants themselves, and they're kind of raising the issue of that these are our community facilities that are essentially being taken away at short notice that children and the elderly rely on. And I think a big part of it is that people don't know how long these rec centres are going to be in use because there was no 
notice or, or information given out before and the information about what is going on with the centre currently and what the proposed future of it is is also kind of very uncertain too. So I think people are just kind of left with a lot of questions and within that then people kind of fill fill in the blanks themselves. So you have people on the other side of it though that are obviously very welcoming to the to the new arrivals to the city. You have um, there's a soup kitchen uh, set up in Sunset Park and they're giving out free clothing and and hygiene products to the people that are staying there. And as far as I understand, the conditions in there are are, are decent. Um, they're sleeping on cots at the moment, which wouldn't be desirable. But in terms of temporary shelter, it's kind of standard. But they do have access to shower facilities and also, I believe, are getting at least three meals a day on top of, I think, about two snacks. Um, so in terms of there's, there is two sides where, where people are very upset about this kind of sudden influx of, of new arrivals to their neighbourhoods. Um, and then there's people that are obviously very welcoming to them. So um, I think it's just a very lack of information from City Hall that is kind of forcing people to want to protest this. Um, because it, the issue is coming to their neighbourhoods. It's no longer an issue to the streets of Manhattan. You're listening to Driving Forces with Celeste Katz-Marston and Jeff Simmons on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. Our guest right now is Adam Daly, reporter for the Brooklyn Paper, and we're talking about the migrant crisis. We want to take a moment at this point to note that Mayor Adams was on CNN last night, and he was asked about the images of migrants sleeping on the street outside the Roosevelt Hotel, specifically who was responsible for that situation. Here's what he had to say. Well, I'm the mayor of the city of New York. I take responsibilities for anything that happens in this city. It is my obligation to make sure that New York is safe. Uh, we received an overwhelming number of individuals. We already reached the maximum of how many people we could house. And for that period of time, we could not place people in the Roosevelt Hotel. Could we still have to abide by the restrictions for occupancy, for safety? And we were able to find them temporary shelter in another location. But we cannot... Uh, state that this can't happen, won't happen again. We received you can't say that it won't happen again? No, we cannot. We received over 90,000 people in our city, and I've been stating for some time that we need relief, we need help. This is a national crisis, and it should be handled by national resources and national policies. So, Adam Daly, on that note, do any of the officials that you've spoken with have any reasonable ideas about how to ease the burden on the city while still helping people? Because in some cases, it sounds like they're saying a lot of the same things as the mayor. Yes, Celeste, I was just going to say a lot of the elected officials that I've spoken with and and have read statements from are all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet when it comes to needing, I guess, federal um, help when it comes to funding um, these temporary shelters or even long-term solutions to this. Um, I honestly haven't seen a, a genuine, um, I guess, point plan of a solution as to what exactly people should be doing or what should be done to, to help the influx of migrants. Um, but when it comes to Mayor Adams, I know that he has been actively kind of trying to dissuade people from uh, or dissuade asylum seekers from coming to New York. I know some of that can't be helped with the um, with the ones that are being bussed from the uh, Republican states up here. But I guess when it comes to finding a solution, um, I, I feel like we're in a point of this kind of migrant crisis where the city is definitely scrambling. And 
I think everyone has a, a general idea of how the system should be run, but it does, everyone is in agreement that the funds are just not currently there as to how things should be. So I think we're at a, a kind of interesting point where everybody's in agreement in that things aren't right and there should be more money. But I guess when we move past that is where I guess we'll see the differences in people's um, opinions when it comes to immigration into the city. And Adam, speaking about officials, one of the officials, New York City Council member Alexa Aviles, uh, was quoted in your story uh, expressing some serious concerns about how this is playing out in Brooklyn. What did the council member have to say, including about communication with residents and other local officials? Yeah, so I, I essentially, um, Council Member Aviles, she did put out a statement, um, I guess, to inform the, the residents of Sunset Park that um that the, their rec centre was going to be um, housing about 100 um, migrants. But she was very critical of the administration in that they, she found out the night before it was all happening and no one else kind of knew about it. Um, I, but one thing that she did say is that um, people should, or she encouraged people to continue to show support um, for the, the new migrants because essentially in this, while every migrant story is different, people are generally coming here for a better life, and and so many people have done that before them, um, and and so and we've seen that from the Sunset Park community and how giving they've been. I was speaking to volunteers um, outside of the Sunset Park shelter today, and and they are constantly get, uh, getting an influx of of clothes and hygiene products from local people. So people are definitely supportive of the local issue at hand but people obviously want to know that this isn't going to be a continued problem for them they want to know that people will be adequately looked after and it won't be up to the local community to have to step up and provide things like clothing and and hygiene products so we're speaking to Adam Daly of the Brooklyn paper. He's a general assignment reporter who has written recently about the effects of the migrant crisis on Brooklyn. And Adam, you know, as you said, clearly every immigration story is very different. It's not fair for us to make an assumption that you came to the U.S. under this, you know, even remotely similar circumstances as some of the people we're talking about today. But you mentioned that you did cover this uh, in addition to having come to the United States yourself. You did cover this in Europe. So can you talk a little bit about how those experiences uh, you know, informed your reporting and maybe, you know, help you understand things about this that the average American-born person might not be aware of? Um, yeah, well, we kind of, you kind of touched on it there in that um, I think a lot of times when people are speaking about immigrants and um, asylum seekers in particular, um, they can be kind of grouped together and people can maybe make preconceived judgments about why they're here, whether they're economic migrants or whether they're fleeing a conflict. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the system that's in place in each country, essentially. So when I think of my own reporting, I did a lot on Ireland's um, asylum seeker process, a process that is in no way um, ideal. It has a lot of flaws. It's been called out by the UN Commission of Human Rights because people are the way people are being housed in temporary shelters not similar to uh, Sunset Park. They're very, uh, I guess, isolated centres that people might have been, that people were living in. So, um, But one thing that has come up is that when people are housed in in neighbourhoods or different communities without notice, it does create a kind of, um, I guess, kind of backlash against 
the the people, the migrants themselves, who at the end of the day are just pawns within the the system and are being placed where they're being told to go. I think you have very little say when you come to a new country, essentially to to start a new life until you are in a position where you can work and support yourself. You are very much at the mercy of the system, and essentially. There are obviously bad fate actors out there, and one thing that happened in Ireland is when a new when migrants would be placed in a new town or village, you would have protesters kind of. Uh, I guess the, the best way to put it would be they'd be online and they'd be kind of getting people kind of riled up about all these different issues that these new migrants may or may not bring, and then you have people out on the street protesting, saying they don't want the migrants here, which it's. It, and that's the thing, it's, this is not a dissimilar issue to what's happening here in Brooklyn, but I think at the end of the day, we need to probably not take that out on the migrants who are here for a plethora of reasons. It comes down to the system that's in place, and currently people are waiting here in the U.S. for their asylum hearings almost two years, so what are people expected to do within those two years when you come to a country to claim asylum? You are, you're stuck within the system, essentially, so I think an overhaul of the asylum seeker system within the U.S. is needed to probably to avoid um, a continued situation like this where migrants are being bussed or even are coming here for economic opportunities. Um, but yes, I, I, I would definitely say that um, it's not dissimilar to, to, to things I've seen in between Irish communities and, and across Europe as well. And Adam, I know we only have about a minute or so left. What else are you working on in Brooklyn or what else will you be covering in Brooklyn regarding this issue? Any stories our listeners might find interesting and want to follow? Yeah, so I, I was hoping to have an update for you guys um, today, um, but I uh, probably not um, a, a strange issue is that uh, City Hall has not gotten back to me on it yet. Um, but there had been talk of... Um, uh, Floyd Bennett Field being used as temporary housing um, for new migrants coming uh, to the city. Um, and Governor Kathy Hochul herself had kind of suggested it only as recently, I think, as the other day as a possible site. So um, the City Hall has said that they're constantly looking for new sites for um, for temporary shelters. Um, so it would be interesting to see whether they follow through on that. But it seems to be that they are kind of waiting until after all the decisions have been made to make the announcement that these things are happening. So um, people can follow on brooklynpaper.com um, and we will hopefully have an update on that for them very soon. Wonderful. Adam Daly of the Brooklyn Paper. It's been a real pleasure to have you here on Driving Forces with us. And we'll have to have you come back sometime and, and follow up on, on more of your work on this issue. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks for having me, guys. You're listening to Driving Forces on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. So that was a really interesting conversation, Jeff. I'm really glad that, that we reached out to Adam Daly. He had some interesting things to say, not only about his reporting on the ground, but you know how it's been informed by other reporting he's done and maybe by his own experiences uh, you know, coming to the United States, being originally from, uh, from Ireland. What, what did you think of that conversation? Oh, no, I thought it went very well. And it's so interesting because, you know, as he was speaking, I was thinking about all the 
you know, even prior to this, every time there's been a move to put a new uh, shelter to uh, be able to accommodate people experiencing housing insecurity, that there's resistance in the neighborhood. There's similar resistance, you know, to what we're seeing right now in different communities. It was interesting because, Celeste, uh, one of the stories I had read as the mayor and the administration is considering where to set up some of these facilities um, one of them uh, being proposed was Randall's Island, and I think it was the public advocate who said, "Look, this might be the best of all, you know, of all the bad decisions right now. This might be the best option that we have right now." But even you know, certain sites. Remember, I mean, Celeste, let's go back what a year or so ago when this all started. One of the first sites the mayor created in the Bronx turned out to be a site that was very flood prone, and he immediately had to move mm-hmm. that one. So selecting sites is not going to be easy. Look, I I empathize with anyone who has to be able to find a location that's suitable, that is that treats people humanely and fairly. But, you know, even as Adam was speaking, I'm thinking it is just very difficult to find any location where people can all all people can agree on this. Right. And just remember, this is probably a really good point to say this. I know we say this a lot, but you know what? We say it because we have to. Just a reminder, this is non-commercial, listener-supported WBAI. We can only have these kinds of important conversations with people who are really experts on the issue, the reporters, the, the policy experts, the elected officials. We don't rely on corporate America to stay on the air. We rely on real New Yorkers like you, and we need your help. We're in the middle of a financial crisis. W- WBAI is going to go off the air without the support of everybody who's listening to this program. Most of us at the station are volunteers. That includes Jeff and me, and we work hard to bring you the best programming. We do this for you, New York, but we can't do it without New Yorkers helping us power the station. It only takes a minute to support the kind of free speech, independent radio that you can't get anywhere else. Big business doesn't control WBAI. You do. And we're counting on you. Please go to WBAI.org today. Stand up for free speech radio. That is WBAI.org. And if you have contributed already, then um, on behalf of Celeste and myself and anyone here, thank you for your support. Now, we're going to open up the phone lines in just a bit at 212-209-2877. That number is 212-209-2877. We want to hear from you on the migrant crisis. Where do you think New York should house the thousands of asylum seekers who are coming to New York City? Or do you think they should just try to start their new lives somewhere else? Is this a burden that the city has to bear in order to do the right thing for humanitarian reasons? Has your neighborhood been affected? 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Call in right now at this number, 212 212- Two zero nine two eight seven seven. This is Driving Forces on WBAI New York. We will be right back.
WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces with Celeste Katz-Marston and Jeff Simmons, Tom Petty, of course, refugee. Today we are talking about New York City's migrant crisis. We want to hear from you. The number is 212-209-2877. That's 202-212-209-2877. What kind of a job do you think Mayor Eric Adams is doing on this? Is he doing enough? Or is New York being hung out to dry by the state and federal governments? Now, I want to take a moment here to say that we did reach out to the mayor's office on immigrant affairs to invite someone, anyone, from their office to join us on this program today. Their spokesperson told us that nobody can make it this week and to contact New York City Health and Hospitals. That spokesperson told us to contact the mayor's office, which never got back to us. But there's still lots to talk about. The mayor says this could cost New York $12 billion dollars by 2025, and that will not come without an impact to city services. But Mayor Adams has also sounded some positive notes, saying every mayor has to deal with a crisis and we'll get through this one too. Here he is on that from this week's news conference. This this administration, uh, we're going to have a clear record of how well we have uh, dealt with this crisis. And listen, every mayor had a crisis that he had to handle. Bloomberg had 9-11, uh, de Blasio had uh, COVID. Uh, you don't sit back as a mayor and say, woe is me. You say, why not me? Uh, I want the ball. You know, this is the city that I love, that I protected as a police officer. Uh, this is the city I want to lead. I thank God every day that um, I'm the mayor of the city right now during these difficult times. And we're going to continue to move the ball down the field. Well, that was Mayor Eric Adams, of course, at this week's press conference regarding the migrant crisis. What do you think of the job he's doing? 212-209-2877-212-209-2877. We're going to go right to the phones. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Hello? That's you. Oh, hi. My name is Crystal. And um, I want to be very clear. Um, the citizens of this country, right? Okay, what color you are? If you're a working person, they need to all get together, take a day off, and go to City Hall and let them know we're not foot fitting. Foot? How do you pronounce that word? We're not going to foot the bill. That's number one. People who get up to go to work every day. Even people like you at BAI volunteering, why should you have to foot the bill? Now, let me finish. I got at least one minute left. Go ahead. Um, We're listening. Okay. I don't see why. I'm sure that a person from Ecuador, Yugoslavia, wherever they're coming from, I'm sure that they would prefer staying in their own country. That is probably the air quality might be better. It's beautiful. The ocean, you can see the sun very clearly. All the kind of thing here. They're fleeing for whatever the reasoning. We're being told that the drug, uh, the deal, the, uh, the kingpins are taking over and the drug dealers are running the countries. Haiti, uh, even the, even the people who work in the government offices, I heard and read, have to flee Haiti. Because the criminals done took over. Okay, let me finish. So you come in here in droves, right? The citizens of this country, we're getting no explanation. We are getting no explanation from nobody. Here in East Harlem, there was a school right here on 97th Street. Apparently, it was predominantly for rich people. Because you could tell by the clientele. They closed it, and now it's a shelter 
for the um, asylum seekers. Let me tell you something, and I thank you for letting me speak, and I hope you give me at least two minutes left. This I think you got, I think we're going to we're going to be fair to everybody. So if, I will give you about I'll give you about 30 seconds left. Go ahead. The people that work every day, they better go to these people and you and tell them what we want to know what the hell is going on cuz we're footing the bill. That's number 1. And number 2. So why are you coming over here? Fight for your country. Mm-hmm. That's your country. All of the minerals and the, and all this kind of stuff is in your country and you coming here? Okay, well, Crystal, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna get that you know interesting points there. I'll be interested to hear what other people have to say. Two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. And let's get to let's get to our next call. Welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name and what's on your mind today? And let's get to you. If if you're in, turn down your radio. Hello. Okay, I think we should go to the next call. Thanks very much. Just remember, everybody, if you are listening to the show and you are also calling in, got to turn down your radio. Otherwise, we we end up in some sort of uh, phantom zone there. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. This is WBAI, Driving Forces, with Celeste and Jeff. We're going to go to our next caller. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Cruz from Central Harlem. Hi, um, to speak to what the caller before was commenting on, well, the reason why those people are coming here is because the United States, if you look into each of the countries of the people that are migrating here from, the United States has put embargoes on them, basically holding their country's money hostage, disrupting their economy forcing them to leave because our government, okay, and corporations that our government um, uh, helps finance is making profits. So those 401k plans and all that, you know, comfort stuff that we got going on is based on the backs of those same people that are coming here, okay? So, yes, what we need to complain to is the president and the Congress and the Senate who made those decisions supposedly on our behalf, okay, so then you could, like, mm-hmm. stop putting a finger on the dike, okay? You want them to stop coming? Well, then stop disrupting their country, okay, so they can live where they're at. But while they're here, right, what we should be doing, and I do agree that poor people mm-hmm. should get together, right? So right now we're trying to push for those people, to uh, the migrants, to get work permits, right? To do what? To because we can't even afford to live here with our wages, right? So how is it that they somehow Understood. are going to miraculously be able, on minimum wage, be able to pay mm-hmm. a, a twelve hundred dollar rent, right? So what we should be doing, if we do give them the permit, be required to join labor unions, because right now our workers are trying to organize in different industries, and I think it's a plot. To, in a sense, disrupt the actual unionization of these um, service industries, which the majority of these people are going to be going into for the most part. 
Okay. On the, and on that note, and on that note, Cruz, I'm interrupting you only because we've got a lot of calls that are coming in. So I want to make sure I give everyone an opportunity. So Leslie, I want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity to speak. Thank you so much for weighing in today. And thank you for listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI. If you have just tuned in, our phone number to call, if you have a comment about the migrant crisis is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Let's get to the next phone call. Welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. What is your name? And briefly, what is on your mind? Hello? Name is uh, Roy. Hi, Roy. And I was going to say a lot of the stuff that the uh, previous caller just said, that uh, maybe we wouldn't have so many people dying to get in here if the United States government, you, I, on the behalf of the same corporations that exploit and oppress working people here, weren't constantly doing the same thing to people in the so-called third world. I mean, Joe Biden is carrying out the same policy against the people of Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, and any country in the third in South America that uh, stands up for itself. The same policy that Donald Trump was carrying on, and for that matter, Barack Obama. Maybe if they had constructive relations with these countries instead of starvation blockades and embargoes, they would uh, <clears throat> they wouldn't be having as many people coming over here. Secondly. Nobody ever mentions the fact that the United States government is spending billions of dollars on its imperialist proxy war in Ukraine, money that we could use here to not only help immigrants, but American workers who are, uh, who are not exactly living high on the hog. So this is a question at the federal level, not just the city level, although this mayor is utterly disgusting. He's nothing but a stooge of landlords and the cops. And the next time there's an election, labor, minorities, and all the oppressed and exploited should get together, form a third party, throw him and all the rest of these stooges to the rich out once and for all. Thanks. Well, thanks for your call. I guess people have some very, very strong feelings on this, but that is what we want to hear. That's what we like to hear here on WBAI. Remember, you can always go to WBAI.org and support this station so we can keep bringing you these kind of programs, so we can keep putting you you, real New Yorkers, on the air, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. We're going to go back to the phones. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name's Dark. I'm calling from actually Jersey, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm born in New York, so I'm in Jersey that, right that, now. That counts. That counts. <laughs> What's yeah. on your mind today? It got too expensive. It got too expensive to live in New York, so they <laughs> which is not much better because this is probably the most richest state in the world. The most expensive state in the world, but uh, outside of L.A. Um, but my call is, I'm listening to a lot of the, um, of the callers. I can agree with a lot, but I can agree with a lot. I can hear the frustration in New Yorkers' voices. But I want them to, I, for everyone that's listening, I want them to put themselves in the immigrant's place. Because not too long ago, I remember, I mean, it was it was it was France, probably one of the most countries who has most the highest crime rate against humanity, and we won't go into what they did in Africa. But I'm listening to people. Have we forgotten? Give me your poor. Have we forgotten? Give me your downtrodden. Have we forgotten? Give me your weak. We will build them up because every immigrant who's come here has made the country better. I don't know any other immigrant besides Donald Trump and his ilk that came from wherever it was, uh, hell, has made this country worse. Um, well, there's a few of them, McConnell. But um, I'm just, 
I'm, I'm, I'm ranting right now, but I'm just saying, can't, when are we going to start looking at this problem as a humanitarian problem instead of everybody looking at, well, why do I got to pay? Well, why do I? That's all I'm hearing is who's going to pay? Who's going to pay? Nobody, when you needed help, just look at, put people in yourself in that position. When you needed help, did you worry, did, did, did you, were you feeling bad when they came up into your face saying, well, you can't get those food stamps, you can't get that Medicaid? We so forget when it was us on that receiving end. I need people to remember when it was us, and it's still us, on that receiving end of people, I need help, I don't know where to go. Be the person to give the help. Be the person that says, I stand against tyranny in all forms, including the tyranny of our minds. That's the problem. Everybody's downing these people. Oh, I don't want to put the bill in. Biden should put the bill in. Adams should put the Remember, they're elected officials that we elect. There are people that we put in power, right? So our voting is important, one, so we can control what happens. And we need to start vetting who we elect. If you don't like Adams, don't put him in power. If you want more immigration, if you want immigration to be fair and square, stop being on the bad wagon of red, blue, purple, and indifferent. And then this other group that came out, the no, no labels group, I don't know what they are, backed by a lot of the same people who are backing the same people. Get out of the politic, political side of it and look at it as a human and be a human. And just help because that's what humans are supposed to do with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Thank you. Thank you for calling. And as a former New Jersey person, welcome to the show. Um, if you have just tuned in, you're listening to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York, also streaming live at WBAI.org. We're talking about the migrant crisis here in New York City, and we want to hear from you, our listeners. Call us, 212-209-2877. Once again, 212-209-2877. Let's get to the next call. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What's your name? And briefly, what do you have to say about this issue? Hello, uh, this is Howard. Hi, Howard. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I kind of agree with both callers or the group of callers that seem to disagree. I think you do have to look at the foreign policy issues. Um, Today on Democracy Now!, there was an excellent segment on what's happening in Niger regarding the uranium and U.S. troops and fresh... Uh, French troops stationed there, and when troops are stationed in like developing countries, I don't know that they really have the permission of the people to be there, like Western nations, and both parties seem to support that. And then they have to have a properly structured uh, immigration system where uh, people can apply for asylum and uh, also be treated in a humane fashion. So I don't mind paying if there's like a rational plan. That will be helpful. You know, okay, but that's, either, that, that sounds uh, that sounds it. fair. That sounds fair enough, right? So, I mean, you're you're basically making an argument for you know, if somebody comes across with a convincing, uh, convincing plan, a reasonable plan to deal with this crisis, then then you're into hearing that you're you know you're you're willing to listen is what I what I hear you saying. Correct. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate your call. And I think, I think we need, we need more of that. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. This is Driving Forces. We're talking about the migrant crisis. How do you think this is going to end up? 
How is this going to end up? Is the city going to be completely overwhelmed? Will we end up spending $12 billion? Or do you think that might be an exaggeration? 212-209-2877, going back to the phones right now. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Hello? That's you. Yes, uh, my name is David. And uh, I I don't know if people know about it, but there was a law passed in 1977 guaranteeing housing um, as a law. So, I mean, these people, whether people like it or not, the city has to abide by the law. And, I mean, they have to find housing, and they can't allow them to just be on the street. I mean, I just don't understand how people can be so lack so lack the understanding. I mean, people see for many years um, people on the side of the streets uh, with signs. Unfortunately, many, many of them are addicted to drugs. They come from other states. With, they don't have the uh, resources. They don't have the social workers. They don't have programs. New York City, like it or not, has the laws on the books and has the best supportive programs available to any any place, any city in the United States. And, and it is a draw, but that's the reality. And Mayor Adams, mm-hmm. who tried to look into overthrowing or repealing the law, it went nowhere. So, I mean, you can scream and cry and complain, but there are laws on the books that mandate housing for every person. I mean, it, it's not, I don't know if it's 100% possible, but people are not in, in reality. And that's the sad thing. People who have called uh, don't realize that we live in the real world and there are no alternative facts. Thank you. Mm-hmm. David, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, we're, the, our board is lit up, so we're going to get right to the next call. Welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you from? And briefly, what do you have to say about this issue? Hi, I'm Rose from New Jersey. Um, Hi, Rose. This business got started from the time that the, the various uh, explorers came. It isn't new. You know, it's always like, oh, we'll hold up the, uh, pull up the blank you know, the gangplank after our group gets in. What bothers me most is all these tax abatements for high-rises and all these people who invest their money in these giant buildings that don't serve. I mean, they're empty a great deal of the time. We have the capacity in this city to tax Wall Street, pennies on Wall Street, pennies on these individuals, and we'll be able to afford to, you know, be human beings about this whole scenario. I left the city about 25 years ago, and uh, I just want to say that having watched, you know, Rockefeller throwing the people out of the mental institutions, I mean, we, that city is a magnet for sad stories. And, I mean, oh, they're, they're, they're rapists and they're drug addicts. Well, let me tell you something. Back in the 70s when I was in Manhattan, it wasn't people from there doing this kind of stuff, you know, peddling drugs and all the imaginary why reasons we shouldn't be here. The fact is, many of these people come in with a lot more skills than we have, and we could put them to work building pro, 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 prefab houses and all sorts of stuff. I happen to live in a greenbelt house here in New Jersey now. We can mm-hmm. utilize them because we need new people all the time. We should open our libraries to them and, and, and offer them the helping hand that they need because we basically created it with our crazy policies of embedding, you know, messing with every conceivable 
country in the Western world, and as if that wasn't enough, now we've got to do the Ukraine, and we've got to do the Orient, too. The, mm. the, the well, war machine is at fault. Let's tax them. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. Thank you for your call. There, there's an idea for you. Let's tax the war machine. We are... We are winding down this hour, but we are going to try our hardest to get to about two more calls if we possibly can. But please be kind to the next person. Keep it short. We're going to go back to the phones. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, Roger from the Milfords. Uh, let me say I'm pro-immigrant. My grandparents uh, fled European persecution over a century ago, but they did it legally. They had sponsors. They had, they had work here. What, you're, what they're doing now, what they, and I fault the government, not the asylum seekers, what they're doing now is a, a free-for-all, and they are hurting the working people. I see this in my community. The landscapers, the tradespeople who need helpers, uh, you know, they're, they're taking the lowest wage, which these guys, I don't blame them, they'll work for cash, for peanuts. And once again, you're hurting the working people in this country, not to mention the open border with the fentanyl coming in and these so-called unaccompanied minors, children without parents or guardians. It's a freaking disaster. And one last thing, give to WBAI. <laughs> Roger, thank you. And, you know, it's, we're getting a lot of calls, Celeste, from New Jersey. So I think for a nice, soft, calm topic, we should do a congestion pricing episode again. But anyway, we'll get to that because I know yeah. a lot that of my former very, neighbors very relaxing, very relaxing. in New Jersey are going to want to call in. And I think we have time for one more call. We're going to squeeze this in. Welcome to WBAI. We'll get to this last call now. What's your name briefly? What do you have to say about this issue? We've got about a minute left before we have to start to wrap. Do we have a caller? Okay, maybe we don't. Is there another Reg? Do we have another caller ready yes, to pop this in? One. Okay, welcome to WBAI. You're our final call. Briefly, what's your name and what's on your mind? Hey, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, this is Bertold. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Bertold. How are you? This is our general manager, everybody. Yeah, the king so of WBAI. Like everybody else, I make phone calls. I wait. It doesn't ring. I get frustrated. I want to get through. Um, I got through. I called like a hundred times. So, and I we're we're very, we're very popular here on Driving Forces. What can I tell you? Yeah, I keep saying to myself, I have to fix this damn phone. I have to get some more money. But quickly, um, it would be nice to do a, a whole show. Maybe I'm not telling you what to do on taxing taxes because how much taxes Donald Trump paying? How much taxes Jeff Bezos paying in New York? How much taxes? I believe Verizon is paying zero taxes, and um, the trading taxes on Wall Street has been uh, canceled. If you just have the trading taxes in New York, a dollar per trade or one cent per trade, we could pay for all of these things and and more, homelessness and everything else. So uh, I don't know if it's a comment, if it's, uh, it's, it's just putting it out there. You know, let's talk about taxes. You know, we like we keep on talking about how can we afford this? Tax the damn rich. You know, because uh, the city is trying to its best not to tax the rich. And you know what they do? They go out there and then they try to screw the little man who's driving, uh, getting all kinds of fake parking transportation tickets so that they can make up whatever money mm -hmm. they need to make. 
Hey, thanks well, for well, well, thanks. Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna miss my 55 post here, and then <laughs> and then uh, Jeff's gonna get beat up by Linda, and it's gonna be a bad situation. But thank you for your call. Tax show is a good idea, and we will work on that. Yes, thank you, Bertolt. And you should become a BAI buddy like our listeners. And speaking of that, we do this for New York, but we cannot do it without New York. It only takes a minute to support the kind of free speech, independent radio that you cannot get anywhere else. Big business does not power WBAI. You do. We are counting on you. Please go to WBAI.org today and stand up for free speech radio. That is WBAI.org. You could also become a BAI buddy. That is someone who gives an ongoing contribution, which goes right onto your credit card each month. Most people give $15 or $20. You can give a little more, of course. Go to WBAI.org, make a pledge, and become a BAI buddy. We want to thank today's special guests, Adam Daly of the Brooklyn Paper. Thanks to our engineer, Reggie Johnson, and to all of our faithful listeners and wonderful callers. We love you all. Last but certainly not least, extra special thanks to everyone who is going to WBAI.org today, right now, to support this station. Jeff, in the two seconds we have left, you getting up early again this Sunday? Yes, I will be up at 6 a.m. to read the papers on Sunday, but our guests on City Watch Sunday morning at 8 a.m., Carlos Menchaca and I are going to be talking with New York City Cultural Affairs Commissioner Lori Cumbo, and then we're being joined by Danny Simmons, one of the creators of Def Jam Poetry on HBO and the co-producer of a tribute event uh, uh, to Jean-Michel Basquiat at the Greenwood Cemetery coming up in September, and we will be offering our listeners tickets if you tune in and if you donate to WBAI, Celeste. Absolutely. And if you missed any part of the show or if you want to share it or subscribe, we upload every edition to Apple, SoundCloud, and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. This has been Driving Forces with Celeste Katz-Marston and Jeff Simmons. Thanks for listening. Now stay tuned to WBAI for more great programming. See you on the radio.